what I have found, and many of my advisor friends have indicated they're seeing the same thing, good tax help is really hard to find. And finding a tax preparer who is qualified and can give you the attention that you need and provide you the insight that you require for your circumstances at a fair price, that's an increasingly scarce commodity. Hey, it's Justin Harvey. Thanks for tuning in to the Anesthesia and Pain Management Success Podcast. With APM Success, we take a close look at important topics pertaining to business, practice management, personal finance, and careers for anesthesiologists and pain management physicians. We work hard to take your critical questions straight to the experts. Thanks for listening. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 220. Hope you're doing well. Hard to believe we're getting into November already. The recording of this episode is October 23rd. I just texted my wife to see if she wanted to go as Taylor and Travis for Halloween this year. I will let you know what happens on that one. A couple of public service announcements before we dive into today's topic. I recently did a webinar for practice owners who are interested in monetizing the enterprise value of their practice as they approach retirement. That should now be posted on the website. You can see the link in the show notes. If you go to apmsuccess.com slash 220, you will uh, be able to access that there. Hope you enjoy. At the current time, we're in the middle of doing some fall planning meetings for our clients. We work closely with our clients' tax preparers in many cases to ensure that the financial planning and investments is integrated with the tax prep work and to try to make the tax preparer's job as easy as possible and keep the taxes as low as we legally can. So one thing I want to make people aware of, uh, if you're transitioning to attending hood, maybe this is your first year as an attending, or if you find the complexity of your affairs increasing, don't wait to try to find someone to prepare your taxes this year. What I have found, and many of my advisor friends have indicated they're seeing the same thing, good tax help is really hard to find. And finding a tax preparer who is qualified and can give you the attention that you need and provide you the insight that you require for your circumstances at a fair price, that's an increasingly scarce commodity. So uh, if you are thinking about engaging somebody to do your taxes next year, I would say try to get it like by the end of November to be on that CPA's list so that you can know what you're going to be doing next year in terms of tax prep. If you wait until January, February, which historically has been possible, you're going to have a rough time of it. So definitely find somebody to help you with your taxes. Another thing we're doing a lot of right now as we're coming up towards the end of the year is for our clients who are, for the first time, experiencing self-employment income, this is the time when we're getting the solo 401ks opened and funded or SEP IRAs in some circumstances. So if you're somebody who has historically had only W-2 income and you found yourself this year for the first time having income from uh, self-employment, you're doing depositions, you're doing consulting, you're doing some other side business, think about some of these other options in terms of self-employment retirement plans. You can shield more of your income than just your W-2 gig will allow if you take some proactive steps to get one of those types of accounts open. If you have any questions about that, you can drop me a line, justin at apm-wealth.com. We would be glad to share a little bit about how we help clients in similar circumstances. With that bit of housekeeping out of the way, now on to our regularly scheduled programming. Today, I want to tackle the red herring of partnership is a good thing for an associate physician who wants to advance in their career. Sometimes that's true. Sometimes it's not. It totally depends. 
I've talked at length about this in the past, and I want to just do a couple very practical examples today. It's particularly true, you know, pain management, this is true in anesthesia as well in some cases, to the extent that you can participate in the business of your specialty, meaning you're an owner of the business, the practice, the surgery center, whatever, and you get profit from that business, this can be a valuable way to build wealth over time. More and more, it's actually useful to own a share of some business as CMS continues to pare back the value of physician labor and more and more reimbursement is being pushed to the facility side. So it's helpful to either own a part of the facility if you can, or do something else that's going to make you money in addition to your physician wages. There are two primary benefits to owning a medical business. This is true of any business, but medically related businesses, your practice or your surgery center or something similar. The first benefit is the business that you own is an asset. It has a particular valuation, a particular worth that is calculated based on their profit. And it can be sold in the future for, in some cases, a significant amount of money. If your business grows from the time that you buy it to the time that you sell it, then you can make a lot of money when you sell your share. That's the first benefit is business is an asset. The second benefit is that if you're an owner in a profitable business, a profitable practice, a profitable surgery center, then you get profit distributions from the business. There is money that kicks out every month, every quarter to the owners in a pro rata share, and you're going to get a part of that since you're part owner. However, ownership is not a silver bullet. It's not a silver bullet for wallowing in financial mediocrity. Sometimes it actually makes that worse. Sometimes ownership is not desirable, and it's important to be able to identify when you're working in a clinical setting where ownership is not desirable. If a practice is not making a lot of money, or if they are losing money, or if they're operationally dysfunctional, sometimes, especially if you're otherwise relatively content working in that sort of clinical setting, sometimes it's better to just be an employee and not have to deal with the fallout of all of the challenges that physician practice or setting may be experiencing. So for doctors who are considering partnership or buying into an existing practice, it's important. The first thing you want to do is understand your goals, your appetite for leadership and for business decision-making to assess, are you going to thrive as a partner in a practice? And you also want to understand, here's the thing that, that I've seen recently that was the catalyst for wanting to have this conversation, or I should call it a monologue. There's often a two-pronged partnership opportunity for pain physicians in particular, where there's the practice, and then there's maybe a surgery center or other ancillary businesses. You want to understand that these are not necessarily the same. In fact, the profile of each of them can be very different. And one thing that's definitely different is the way that these businesses are valued. Now, let me take this opportunity to make the necessary parenthetical disclaimer that this is just uh, educational and informational and nothing that follows should be deemed to be advice for your specific circumstances. But hopefully this gives you an idea of some of the categories for questions to ask. And here's what I'm getting at. Surgery centers, they trade at a higher multiple. And and let me, you might've heard this multiple, multiples of EBITDA, that's the, the acronym for profit essentially. Let's zoom into this for a minute because understanding the multiple, the valuation of different types of businesses is really helpful to understand the difference in opportunity. So the S&P 500 is the, you know, the major US stock index for big US-based companies. The average 
multiple that a company on the S&P might trade at is uh, between 16 and 18 times historically. Now, some of those are less than that, and some are way, way, way higher than that. Think of the FANG stocks, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and Tesla. We can sort of append there on the end. Those trade at a much, much higher multiple. There are some cases in which businesses, they don't even make money. They're not earning a profit, and yet they're still commanding a very high price per share of their stock. That's for super growthy companies that have a lot of upside and you know, and a plan to monetize that eventually. So that's an extreme example, but you know, the sort of the, the bread and butter S&P companies are going to be in that 16 to 18 range on average. Surgery centers, if we're thinking in terms of the same multiple, the same, how many dollars am I going to need to pay to get $1 of earnings or $1 of profit from the company? That's 16 or $18 that I need to pay to get $1 of profit for an S&P company. For a surgery center, it, again, it depends on a lot of things, how many owners and who's buying and selling and whatnot, but these may value at somewhere between seven to 10 times profit. If you're a physician who's a minority owner and you're going to sell to an operating company that is going to take a majority stake, that's a case in which you might get nine times profit for your share of ownership. And if you bought in at a less than that share, then that can be a a nice profit opportunity for you. Physician offices are totally different and should not be construed to be the same in terms of value. Generally, what I see, and again, this totally depends, and I've seen plenty that are are outside these lines, but somewhere between 0.5 and 2 times profit. So to to put this in round numbers, if we've got a company on the S&P that makes a million dollars, and we've got a surgery center that makes a million dollars, and we've got a physician-based, an office-based physician practice that makes a million dollars. And I'm talking about profit here, a million dollars of profit. So S&P company, if it's a million dollars of profit, I'm going to be valuing that company at about $16 million. So if I own a share of that company, then my share is worth a pro rata portion of that $16 because it's 16x is the valuation multiple of the S&P 500 company. If it's a surgery center making a million bucks and we're in that seven to nine range or you know whatever it is, we'll, we'll use eight for our example. If it's a million dollars of profit, then it's an eight, that business is worth eight million bucks. So about half of the S and P company, assuming that they're making the same amount of profit. And if I'm a physician office and I have a million dollars of profit, my business might be worth one million dollars. Each of these three businesses makes the same amount of profit, but there's challenges that differ in each of these different business settings, and This is reflected in how much the business is worth. So here's the reason I bring this up. Something I frequently see from earlier career or even mid-career pain doctors in many cases is they they don't distinguish between the practice, the office-based clinic, and the surgery center. Those are two very different businesses with two very different sets of economics and two different potential valuations. And so It's important to understand, and actually I had a client email me the other day saying, hey, I got an opportunity to buy into a surgery center for $100,000 for 1%. Is that a good deal? Well, it totally depends on what the the profit of the entity is and what is the implied valuation. If it's a surgery center and the implied valuation, you know, if you're buying in at 100 grand for 1%, if you're getting that for 2X, you're paying two times the profit with that $100,000, meaning 
that 1% stake is going to distribute $50,000 per year on average, and I'm paying a hundred grand for it, then that's probably a good deal. And if a physician is buying a minority stake from an existing surgery center, that's a more common, you know, we're in that one and a half to three, three and a half range. It's whenever you're selling it, whenever a physician owns a minority stake and they're selling to someone who's taking a majority stake, that that seven to nine X multiple is manifest. But, you know, you if you're going to say, if you're going to understand, is something a good deal? Is hundred grand for 1% or hundred grand for 10%? Is it a good deal? We need to know what the profits are to understand the multiple. Now, in the case of a new build, either for a, a clinic or for a surgery center, it's a, a different method of accounting is more useful. But for an existing business, having these valuation mnemonics, I guess, or just ways to rough in the value and the worth, the, the fair market value of a certain tranche of equity for a clinic, for a surgery center, or for the S&P 500 can be useful to say, is this a good deal? And here's the corollary to this. So you got to understand that there's a difference in these valuations. The corollary is sometimes it makes sense to buy into one and not the other. And here's really what I'm saying is if you can buy into both, sometimes it makes sense to pass on one. You know, if you could buy into both of them for 3x, that might be a pretty good deal on a surgery center. It might be a terrible deal on the clinic. And if you can maintain W-2 status as an employee and have an ownership stake in a surgery center that's related, you may be able to have your cake and eat it too. So don't assume that just because you're offered partnership in a clinic in an office-based practice that you need to take it. And don't assume that uh, if you're offered, you know, an amount that you can afford, don't assume that it's a good deal because you got to understand valuation. And thinking creatively about what are the ways that I can participate economically without necessarily being beholden, especially to an asset that has less upside, like uh, a clinic, a pain clinic in this case. You know, it sometimes it makes your life a little simpler. Often the biggest economic benefit that I have observed over time of having a busy clinic is using that to create candidates for procedures in a surgery center where Sometimes a physician may also own a stake and be able to monetize their efforts through the facility fee. So if you're, (laughs) this is especially important to note if you're looking at buying into a practice, you know, and I, this is another thing I see a lot, especially for the younger docs, they get shares in the practice offered to them, but maybe the surgery center is more like on the bubble. Like maybe it'll happen this year, next year, it depends. I need to get my volume up first, whatever, which is by the way, not unreasonable. Like, if you're an incumbent partner in a surgery center, you want to make sure that new partners are going to be pulling their weight. But there is a bit of a hazard here. If you buy into a practice, which is the less profitable entity, and the only way for the practice to really be valuable to you is if you can also participate in the facility fee of the surgery center and the profits generated therein, and you're locked out of that and you you may never get in, then only being able to own the, the practice side can be a bummer and not in your best interest. So I I just wanted to explore some of these ideas to give you a few more data points. Whenever you're thinking about buying into a practice, there are so many variables, so many factors. Any individual opportunity needs to be tested on its own merits. And looking at, you know, payer mix and reimbursement and RVU value and even getting into the collections and saying, like, how well is this practice collecting? Is a lot of stuff getting out there to 60, 90, 120 and gets written off? Or is the collections department either internally or the external partner, are they really doing their job? These are all variables that could be hugely helpful. 
or hugely detrimental that have nothing to do with valuation in, in this discussion. So the point is you can't just look at the valuation number, just look at the multiple to know if it's a good deal, but it does give you another tool in your toolbox to assess a potential opportunity. Hopefully that's helpful. If you find yourself vetting partnership opportunities, you're wondering, should I buy into the practice? Is there a surgery center opportunity? How do I think about a new build for a surgery center? How much should that cost? How many doctors do we need to do that before we have critical mass? I'm happy to be a sounding board and would love to hear from you. You can email me, justin at apm-wealth.com. I'll drop that email in the show notes as well. Thanks as always for listening. Hope everybody is uh, having a great fall season and I will talk to you next week. If you liked what you heard this week, head on over to apmsuccess.com where you can find more content and free resources to help you build a successful career in anesthesia and pain management. If you wanted to leave a review in iTunes, I'd also really appreciate it. Thanks for using some of your valuable time to join me today on APM Success.